There is so much to love about this cluster of psalms. Even just the, the title that was given to it in our study, right? Love the Lord, all you his saints. Um, as I was thinking about that, what it means to love the Lord, and um, again, just enjoying so much each chapter, was, it was really hard to just pick three <laughs> to answer the ones for the questions. Um, but as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, how do you really know when you love someone, right? Like that's the instruction given, love the Lord, all his saints. But, but what is the sign? What is like, how do you really know that there's love for the Lord, that there's love for another? I started thinking um, that one of the most telling signs of how much someone loves another person is by how much of that person's heart is shared with the other, right? So when you really love someone, Usually that means that you're more open to sharing of your heart with them. How often you speak with a person and the things that are spoken can hint as to how much love you have for that individual. And I just thought that was so interesting in, in Psalm 19 that it covers so much of uh, the, the word of the Lord, right? And his voice and just thinking about that. And this is uh, from Pastor Chuck Smith's commentary on Psalm 19. It includes the following observations. God speaks to man universally through nature. But though nature speaks to you of the existence of God, the testimony or the witness of nature then falls short because it cannot tell you of the love of God and the redemptive plan of God for your life. For that, we need the special revelation. And God has thus given us the special revelation that we might know his love and his plan for our lives. But the fact that God exists, we all know just by the fact of life around us and life forms around us. God has revealed himself in nature but he has revealed himself more specifically in his word. And thus, his law, his testimony, his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, oh, how sweet the word of God becomes to us as we get into it and as we begin to draw from its sweetness. I thought, wow. That is so true. The Lord speaks to us universally through nature, but specifically through his word. The Lord loves us. Therefore, he speaks through the stars. He speaks through creation. He speaks through other believers. And most significantly, he speaks through his word. The Lord speaks. That's the main point of Psalm 19. So what should that stir up in us? his saints. That's what we'll focus on as we review the rest of the Psalms. So again, the key point in Psalm 19 is the fact that the Lord speaks. And then as we review the rest of the Psalms in the short minutes that we have left tonight, we'll look at what that should stir up in us as his saints, as his followers. Knowing the Lord speaks to us, knowing that his voice is readily available to all of us, it should cause something in us. The first thing that we see in Psalm 20 is a sacrifice, right? 
So maybe if you if you if it's your Bible and you want to write in the margin, you can feel free to do that. Uh, one of the things I did too is I was going through uh, the study and the questions. I kind of wrote it like on each of the headings for the Psalms. Um, sacrifice, and the instruction is bring it right? Not like bring it on in a sense, but the sacrifice that we have for the Lord to bring it to him. I think specifically of verses three and four. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice, Selah. And I like how there's a pause to think there, especially with that word all. May he remember all your offerings, what if there's only like four or five? That's not really a lot to remember. So it was really convicting. Like, wow, may I be the kind of person that because the Lord has spoken to me, because I'm so convinced of his love for me, that I love him in return and I can't help but bring him offerings that I've even forgotten about. But I know that the Lord remembers. Verse 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. So again, remember, as the Lord speaks to us, may we be willing to sacrifice to bring it to him. Psalm 21 tells us that another thing that should be stirred up in us when we think of the fact that the Lord speaks is strength. And the command, receive it. Right? So for Psalm 20, it was sacrifice, bring it. And for Psalm 21, it's strength, receive it. Verse 1 says, the king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. I thought of also that verse in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's interesting how Psalm 20, um, sorry, 21, also ends with a similar idea. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength we will sing and praise your power. Do we remember how mighty our Lord is? I know it's difficult sometimes when we're surrounded by so much media, so much uh, filth in entertainment, so much bad news through uh, the news outlets, but do we remember that the Lord is strong and that he longs to fill us with his strength? Psalm 22. What should the fact that the Lord speaks to us stir up? Salvation. And the command, think upon it. So Psalm 22, the focus is salvation. And the command, think about it. Think upon it. This is a beautiful psalm. You could really dedicate an entire seminar, right, just to this psalm, thinking of the prophecies that were fulfilled by Christ's death on the cross, also seeing just the agony and intensity that the Lord felt. Again, I think this is one of those moments of um, David being a man after the Lord's own heart and being able just in his own uh, times of suffering to have just a little glimpse of what Christ went through on the cross. And again, how, how often the Lord will use suffering to uh, attach our hearts to his and then to also allow our hearts to minister to others. But we also see the promise of and the glory of the resurrection. In Psalm 22, verses 19 through 21, it says, But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. 
So we see salvation both of David from his situation and ultimately the purchase of our salvation on the cross. As I was um, meditating a little bit on, on this point, salvation, and I thought, okay, but why should we think about salvation? Like, why is that something that should really occupy our thoughts? And I, I was reminded of the fact that salvation in the armor of God, right? In Ephesians 6, when we're told to put on different armor, salvation is equated with the helmet, right? And what does the helmet do? It covers our head. Well, us, figuratively speaking, I don't know how many of us actually put on Roman attire, but you guys know what I mean. If you're bike riding or you're rollerblading and you need to put on a helmet for some reason, it's there to protect our minds. Well, soul salvation is there to guard our thoughts. Cover your thoughts in the protection of the fact that you are saved, that you belong to the Lord. Let that be the winning final word when the enemy tries to throw any thoughts that are not of the Lord there, whether it's challenging your identity, whether it's challenging your gender, whether it's challenging uh, whether or not you have a place in the kingdom of the Lord, whatever it may be, whatever arrows and fiery darts the enemy is trying to throw at your thought life covered in salvation, the fact that you belong to the Lord, that you were purchased by that blood. Also think about the fact that part of our salvation has yet to be fulfilled, even though it's already been purchased. Ladies, soon will be home in heaven forever. First Thessalonians 5, 8, Paul also equates salvation with a helmet. He writes, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And that struck me because we are already saved. Why would we need to hope for something that already took place in the past, right? But he is talking about here, I believe, our ultimate salvation from this earth, from the presence of sin, right? Because we've been saved from the penalty of sin. We've been saved from the power of sin at the cross. Those two things were completed and done. But unfortunately, we find ourselves still in the presence of sin because of the fact that we occupy and we live in a fallen world. But ladies, my sisters, my friends, not for long. May our thoughts be covered in the fact that we can hope in our salvation that is to come. And let us who are of the day be sober, putting on as a helmet the hope of salvation. Psalm 23, what should be stirred up in us by the fact that the Lord speaks to us? Well, there I thought of the fact that it's a shepherd, right? We have our shepherd and the command, follow him. Oh, we could, again, talk about another chapter that could be an entire conference, right? Psalm 23, beautiful six verses. What an analogy. And how Christ shows us that he fulfilled this in his teaching when he was here on earth, John chapter 10. If you're, if you're really, really quick, you could turn there. It's in the New Testament, the fourth book of the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. If not, you may jot it down. John chapter 10. And there's two verses specifically that reminded me of the fact that our shepherd longs to speak with us. In verse 4, it says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep 
follow him for they know his voice. And again, in verse 27, he reiterates the same truth. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Ladies, may we be sheep who know our shepherd's voice. The next chapter, Psalm 24, speaks to us of our standing. When we are firm in knowing the voice of the Lord, in knowing that he speaks to us, what can be stirred up in us is our standing. And the command, secure it. You've been given a standing in the Lord. What are we doing to secure it? We look at Psalm 24, verses 3 to, through 6. Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah. Ladies, your righteousness, your standing before the Lord has been purchased. What are we doing to secure it? Are we allowing our hands to be cleansed? Are we allowing our hearts to be purified? Are we being careful not to lift up our souls or our cell phones to idols? Are we careful not to be swearing deceitfully? Are we allowing ourselves to receive his blessing and his righteousness? Are we seeking him? Are we seeking his face? Psalm 25 tells us something that could be stirred up as we are reminded that the Lord speaks to us is the secret for those who fear him. The secret for those who fear him. And the command Find it. Find it. As we fear the Lord, he promises us he's going to share with us his secret. So let's find it. Psalm 25 verse 4 kind of hints towards this. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And then in verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. The Lord has so much for us. He wants to protect us. He wants to guide us. He wants to teach us. Will we fear him? Will we walk in that desire of wanting to please him? Walking in that fear of the Lord, not wanting to let him down, not wanting to disobey his commandments. He will give us the secret of contentment, right? He will give us the secret of joy in the storm, peace, though the nations rage. All these hidden truths, right, that we know what they are. We know what the blessings are. We just don't know how to find it sometimes, how we can achieve it. His secret will be with us as we fear him. Next Psalm, chapter 26. Sanctuary, right? That's what we will find as we remember that the Lord speaks to us sanctuary the command stand in it psalm 26 verse 8 says lord i have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells jumping down to verse 12 
My foot stands in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. Do you love his presence, right? There's something about this place. One of the things I always tell um, my students in LHM, the fact that they get to come to school here in the house of the Lord, I always think, guys, that psalm that says, better is one day in your courts. And imagine, you guys every year get to spend 170 days in his courts. So what a blessing. And then I think of uh, Miss Angeline, who helps out, and she volunteers as one of the moms. And, and I'm like, David wrote about you when he talks about the gatekeeper in the house of the Lord, because she helps us um, when people have like a delivery to make and stuff so the teachers don't have to like leave their class. And I'm like, that promise was for you. You're the gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. But ladies, I wonder how many of us were excited to come to the house of the Lord tonight, right? To stand in his sanctuary, to find that safety and that reprieve from the craziness that's going on in the world around us, or sometimes that reprieve from the stuff that's going on inside of us, right? That we can come into the presence of the Lord and say, okay, Lord, here it is at the altar. Please, may I be able to leave it there longer than last time? And allow your presence to really be what I stand in, even when everything else isn't really secure ground. Psalm 27. Something that can be stirred up is singing. Singing. And the command, put your heart in it. Put your heart in it as you sing to the Lord. Psalm 27, verses 6 through 8. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer the sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. Two things stood out to me in these verses. One of the first things is that the psalmist's singing is a response to hearing the Lord speak to him. Right? We see that in verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. So here he is singing to the Lord. And it's because he heard the Lord speak to him. The second thing I also noticed is that it was a sacrifice of joy, right? It says, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. And those two words are kind of like oxymorons, right? Like they don't really go together. How can it be a sacrifice, but it's also joyful? Well, perhaps nothing in his circumstances had changed. Right? Perhaps his enemies were still there, still taunting, still threatening, and nothing had changed. But he was choosing to be joyful in singing and putting his whole heart. I thought of um, that worship song that was shared tonight, that my heart will sing throughout the night, even when singing seems a sacrifice. Chapter 28, Supplication. That's something that could be stirred up when we are realizing that the Lord wants to speak to us. Supplication. And the command is similar to one that we had earlier. Bring it to him. Supplications, bring them to him. Honor the Lord with his request. 
with your requests to him. Uh, recently, I've been going through the Gospels in my devotional time, and it's been uh, just beautiful. Anytime you're kind of stuck in your Devo and you're like, okay, I don't know what to do next. Maybe you just finish going through a book. Um, I would always recommend go back to the Gospels in between the Lord showing you which reading plan. And this time as I was going through the Gospel accounts, one of the things that struck me is how often uh, when people came to seek healing from the Lord, uh, the way the writers would describe it is, and he worshiped him by asking, Lord, heal me, right? Or something like that. It would be to that effect, like she worshiped him saying, Lord, save me. And, and it just struck me that contrast that here they're not worshiping saying, oh Lord, you know, to thee belongs all of this, right? Like it's so easy in some of the Psalms where we see his splendor and his majesty to think of that as worship. But it really struck me going through the gospels how often the Lord received the worship of a request, of like bringing my need before the Lord, how that honors him. Um, I think I have time to share this illustration. Um, I don't know if it's true, and contrary to what my nerd heart knows I should do, I haven't verified the source because I'm scared it might be inaccurate and then I can't share the illustration anymore. Um, so I will plead ignorance. I don't know if this is true or not, but it is said, right? There's a, a historical like story um, that may or may not be based on true events where Napoleon conquers a land, right? Well, that part is true, but as the story goes, this is the part we're not sure is true. So he conquers the land, and one of the like lowliest like foot soldiers, like he barely was in the army, um, comes in after this great conquest, and he comes up to Napoleon's tent and he says, "Give me the island off the coast of this land." And all the other like commanders kind of like take a step back, like, "Well, we didn't really know you, so we can't say it was nice knowing you, but um." Yeah, up to here, this is like it. Because how dare you storm into Napoleon's tent and tell him you want this island. And so they all kind of took a step back and looked at Napoleon and he said, it's yours. And the guy walked away and his commanders are like, why would you give it to him? He says, he honored me by knowing that I had the power to give it to him. And I think how often the Lord longs to be honored by us bringing him our request in that full assurance that we know he's able to do it for us. Bring your supplications to the Lord, my sisters. Verse 2 says, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. And I love that it's hands and not fists. The psalmist isn't raising his fist to the Lord. Why is this happening? What's going on? You promised deliverance. Why hasn't it come? No, he's raising his hands, right? What an ultimate sign of surrender. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. Next, Psalm 29. Splendor. Emphasize it, right? 
I love how this psalm emphasizes the splendor of just the voice of the Lord. Notice all the verbs, right? So we're going to take a little English lesson. Bear with me, my English teacher. Like you could tell, take the English teacher out of the classroom, but you can't. Whatever, you know, you guys know. So we're going to look at the first few verses and how these verbs in describing the, the voice of the Lord in verse 29 are all linking verbs, or they show a state of being. So these verbs establish the very nature, pun intended, of the voice of the Lord. What it is. It is over the waters, right? So the verb there is is. It is powerful. It is full of majesty, right? So these verbs in the beginning of the psalm show us the very nature of the voice of the Lord. What it is. But then by verse 5, there's a shift. And now it's all action verbs, right? So it's almost like the, the psalmist was wrapping his brain around the nature of the voice of the Lord. And then he realizes, wait, look at all that it accomplishes. It breaks the cedar. It splinters the cedar. It makes them skip. It divides the flame. It shakes the wilderness. It makes deer give birth. It strips forests bare. These are heavy-duty action verbs because the voice of our Lord is powerful. Since we're looking at verbs, notice in the last two verses of Psalm 29 how it says, The Lord is their strength and he is... No, wait, sorry, that's the wrong one. I was reading Psalm 28, but we're in Psalm 29. Okay, it says... The Lord sits upon the flood. Yes, the Lord, the Lord sat upon the flood. Yes, the Lord sits forever as king. And again, he sat enthroned, that's past tense. He sits forever, that's currently. And then verse 11 says, he will strengthen and he will bless, that's future. So all of time is covered. The Lord is over all of it, past, present, and future. So again, he started with linking verbs, then he went to action verbs, and now through the tenses, he covers all of time. That's what the voice of the Lord does for us. It was there in the beginning. It spoke light into existence. It was there at the cross. Jesus willingly surrendered his life, and it will be there in eternity when it says it is done. Psalm 30 shows us a shift. Will you allow it? Will you allow change to happen in your life when you hear the voice of the Lord? Psalm 30, we're going to jump around a little bit here. It says in verse 3, O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. And then verse 7, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. But then verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Did you see that shift in the psalmist's life from mourning to dancing, from sackcloth to gladness? When the Lord wants to heal, when the Lord wants to deliver, when the Lord wants to free you, it's going to mean a change. Are we going to allow it, right? Could you imagine those individuals that the Lord healed where he's like, pick up your mat and walk. 
And it's like, oh, but it's so comfortable down here. Could you imagine? <laughs> like, that would have been so sad. The disciples would have been like, and the laziest person ever missed out on being healed by Jesus, right? Or the most complacent person ever, or the most comfortable person ever turned away sad and was not healed. Oh, may that not be said of any of us. When the Lord's voice speaks freedom or healing or encouragement into your life, be willing to change. Be willing to allow that shift to happen. Verse 31. Okay. The last instruction, the last thing that we should do as we're stirred up by the Lord speaking to us is surrender. And the command, walk in it. Surrender, walk in it. Not just being willing for shifts to happen or emphasizing his splendor. Not just bringing our supplications and putting heart into our singing and standing in the sanctuary and finding the secret for those who fear him or securing our standing or following our shepherd or thinking about salvation or receiving strength or bringing sacrifice. It's about walking in surrender. Psalm 31, verse 16, make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. And then down in verse 19, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Verse 23, O oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and repays fully the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. I never notice um, that from the cross, Jesus also quotes from Psalm 31, right? We think of so many of the other Psalms where he, he talks about... Um, just different prophecies that are fulfilled by the words that Jesus spoke at the cross. And I never realized that into your hands I commit my spirit was also prophesied here of just the surrender of our Lord, right? Thinking of how much Jesus willingly gave and offered and how he walked and how he said, I don't say a word that my Father doesn't command me. I only do those things which please my Father. And even in his death and his resurrection, it was all about surrender. So where is our focus? As we think back at maybe this last week or just today, how many capital Yus consume our journal entry, if you would, right? We talked uh, last time we were together about that Chris Rice song and how every day is a journal page, right? So if we, if we were to take our day and, and sort of summarize it in words, how many capital U's, right? Capital Y-O-U, where they're referring to the Lord. I love in this psalm how often the psalmist emphasizes you. And I love that in verse 16, make your face shine upon your servant. And just that reminder of that um, blessing through Aaron and the priest that the Lord wanted us 
to, to sing over each other, right? That he would make his face shine upon you, right? When you see someone smile and, and it's shining and to think that the Lord's own countenance can be smiling upon our hearts. Oh. And how that only happens when we're surrendered to him, right? When we're willing to walk in the things that he will speak to us before he even speaks them. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, maybe interact with children at all, but sometimes when you give them instructions, uh, right away they'll say why. And one of the things I kind of uh, used to do, not with my current students, I have the best students right now, <laughs> but when I used to teach in public school, I had good students then too, but when I used to teach in, in public school and I would give an assignment or there would be a task, there was always the, oh, why? And I would stop and I would say, do you really want to know the answer or are you just trying to get out of it? Because regardless of my answer, you're still going to do it. And I'm willing to discuss and tell you my answer as to why, but it's not going to change the fact that you did it. And by that time, they probably stopped listening to me. <laughs> but it also kind of made them think, like, are you going to do what I ask you to do regardless? Like, do you really want to know what I was thinking? Because I will gladly explain to you why we're doing this assignment and how beneficial it is and why we need to do it and how it correlates with, you know, the Sunshine State standards and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't really want to know, if you're just trying to get out of it, I'll just tell you right now it's not going to work. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on something because the Lord has given us an instruction and we're too busy saying, well, why, right? Like, but what promise is attached if I obey? Or what, you know, what consequence am I being spared from if I, you know, if I do this? Because if it's not that bad a consequence I'm being spared from, I might not do it because that sounds really hard. Um, I don't know. But my encouragement to you would be just to walk in that surrender. And you'll, and you'll hear the voice of the Lord. It's like a cycle. The more you surrender, the more you hear the voice of the Lord. The more you hear the voice of the Lord, the more you'll want to surrender. So I pray that we would be encouraged to just, to just honor him with our supplications and with our obedience.